Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 17. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing round the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God for ever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The great hope. Uh, you may have noticed uh, we've intentionally bookended uh, the Bible uh, with those two readings this morning uh, because that's what we're going to be uh, doing briefly. We're just going to be looking at, well, briefly, it depends how long we go, isn't it? Uh, but... Um, we are just going to have a, a, a brief look through the scriptures, what the Bible has to say uh, for God's plan for the world, which is a pretty big thing, uh, but it's from start to finish. And uh, the Bible reveals uh, to all people just who God is. That's, that's the purpose of the scriptures, God's word given to us, written in real time in history, uh, in the life of uh, his people, the Israelites, and, uh, and in the life of the, the, the last little bit in the life of the early church as it was growing and, uh, and um, facing all sorts of challenges. But it reveals, us, it reveals to us who God is um, and why he created the world in which we live and what purposes he's are, uh, what are his purposes for the world uh, that he created. And so it's the overarching story. Uh, the Bible's all about God, it's all about people and it's all about the creation, the world that we live in which is why the local church is really important to God. 
And uh, we, we sing that, and uh, I, I really hope and pray and trust that each one of us would reflect as we come together in whatever context, whether it's here on a Sunday morning or in our life groups or uh, wherever two or more of us are gathered in Christ's name. Uh, we are the church, uh, we're the body of Christ, and we are incredibly important to God's purpose and plan for this world. We who trust in Jesus, we are his people. And we live our lives in this world in a way that reveals who God is. That's, that's, our, that's God's plan and purpose for us, to be living in this world, to show people, to demonstrate in our lives, our new lives in Christ, what God is like. And, and it's especially for those, and we don't exist for ourselves, it's especially for those who aren't yet part of a church, who aren't yet part of God's people. So I'm going to pray and, uh, and we'll get in and have a look at our, our theme this morning as part of our series. Father, I thank you uh, for just how um, gracious and amazing it is that you would be so clear in revealing yourself to us in such a way that um, if anyone were to put even half an effort in listening and reading and understanding what you've revealed through the Bible, uh, none of us are with excuse to not be able to say who you are, to not be able to get to know your purposes and your plans. Thank you that you are a loving God, a gracious God. Thank you that you are a just and righteous God. And we thank you that you look upon us in our brokenness, uh, your creation, uh, who have rebelled against you. Uh, but you've, look, you've looked upon us and you've uh, seen fit to continue with your plans and purposes in calling a new people, uh, calling back those uh, who would trust in your son Jesus to become your people. Help us this morning uh, as we're reminded of this overarching revelation in your word uh, and what that means uh, for us as a local church in our time of history now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, given all that, I'd, I'd like to start with a story of a church that um, Melissa and I and our family um, were involved with. We were serving um, at Hornsby Baptist Church, a, a church in Hornsby, um, that... Uh, that we came from before we arrived here in the Manning Valley. And um, <clears throat> Hornsby Baptist, like our church, is uh, one of uh, just over 350 in New South Wales, of Baptist churches, New South Wales and ACT. And like many of them, it has a, a long history, <clears throat> a long history of reaching out into its local community, of serving that local community in, in different ways. And my role there as part of the, the pastoral team, I was an associate pastor, and my role there was to, to help continue and intentionally bridge that gap. Uh, between the church and the community. Uh, it tends to happen in the life of churches. Uh, we, it's human nature. Uh, we tend to get inward very easily. And if we're not careful or, and not intentional about not being inward, uh, that's where we will stay. And we will actually often drop off and lose our vision and our purpose for why God brought us together in the first place, and that is to connect and, and bridge that gap to reach out into our community. And, of course, there are many ways to do that, but that was, that was part of my role there. And um, the idea was to, to make sure that the church, it's a great question, and church leaders and pastors often reflect on this and pray through it. Does our church community reflect in its makeup the broader community in which we live? Or to what extent does our church reflect uh, the makeup, the, the constitution, if you want, uh, of uh, the broader community in which we live? Uh, well, for some time, um, Hornsby Baptist uh, largely consisted of uh, it was you know an Anglo white Anglo Caucasian Australian uh, church, Australian people with a, with an Anglo or European heritage, 
Um, and that had begun uh, to, to change quite dramatically. It had already started before we got there. Um, and by the time we arrived, the percentage was around sort of the, the 65 to 70% would have been uh, uh, Anglo-European background, and uh, 35, maybe 30% consisted of people from other nationalities. Um, the most dominant and obvious were uh, Sri Lankan, Indian, uh, Chinese people and Korean people uh, mostly, uh, but there was an ever-increasing number of people from other nations as well. And what we noticed had happened over about a 10-year period was um, that proportion had started to change, that percentage had started to change. Now, I was, uh, I was only there for four years, and during that time alone, uh, we conducted a survey. And the survey found that there were some, actually some 18 different nationalities represented in that church. And, uh, and that uh, 18 nationalities, and of course, Anglo-European background was, was one of those. Um, the rest weren't those. And, and soon after our family left and we moved here to Tari, uh, it became apparent that those per percentages had actually almost switched. The church was now made up of 35, 30, 35% uh, Anglo-European people and 65 to 70% of those 18 different nationalities. Now, some people were concerned about that change in the life of that church, but most people over those years, we were such a, a, a richly blessed church in that experience, in being able to connect with others from other cultures, other nationalities. And, and it wasn't until we compared the, um, the ethnic diversity of that church family with the broader community that we were absolutely blown away. Did you know that at the time, that local government uh, area was made up of 22 different nationalities? Hornsby Baptist at that time, like I said, I only rattled off four, four obvious nationalities there, but had a representation of 18 of those 22. Now, I share that with you uh, this morning because in many ways that community was a melting pot of cultures. Uh, that local Baptist church uh, was now very much the same. And the difference, of course, is that the church shared a common faith together, a, a unifying faith, a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And even with that diverse, uh, diversity of people within it, uh, there was still this unification, this, um, this central core value, this person uh, and work of Jesus Christ that, that you united us. Well, as we approach um, this melting pot theme this morning in our series, Faith Runs Deep, uh, we'll be focusing on the rich diversity uh, of many cultures that make up much of Australia today in our own history uh, as a multicultural nation. That word doesn't get used as much these days, but that was certainly... Uh, a, an, in, an intentional uh, focus of, of Australia, both politically and, and, um, and uh, the, the way we operated and functioned as a nation uh, for many decades now. And, and we will do well as a local church to make sure that we too, uh, here at Tari Baptist, even though we're in a very different area to, to that of Hornsby, uh, that we might at least in some part ensure that we too reflect uh, the community in which God has placed us and called us here in our region, which begs that question. For us to ask and to consider, is the cultural makeup of our community reflected in our church community? Or perhaps to put more um, gently, uh, to what extent does the makeup of our community reflect, uh, is reflected in, in the church community? What tongues, what languages, what tribes, what nations from around the world are here worshipping Jesus as part of our church? 
And of course, we've been blessed, haven't we, over the years with a number of families, and we continue to be blessed with a number of families uh, that do come uh, to our church, to our area here, and um, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Someone uh, is going to come and share with us just briefly uh, about uh, some, some different ways that um, uh, people are getting together uh, in that sense. But it's a question worth asking because of the very picture that the Bible presents, particularly there in Revelation chapter 7, at the end uh, of God's Word. And that's why it's worth asking this question, because a multicultural gathering of people is exactly what God envisages for His people. That's exactly what God desires, and where history is headed, it will be a crowd, vast in number, too many to, to, to count, gathered around the throne of Jesus, he's often called the Lamb, when we know why he's a sacrificial Lamb, his death on the cross uh, was the perfect spotless Lamb, and uh, was the final sacrifice for sins once and for all. But that throne on which the Lamb sits, on which Jesus sits, that's his throne, and around him are this great vast multitude of people from all nations worship him and cry out his praises. You know, that ought to stir something in us, I think. If it doesn't stir something in us, we really need to get on our knees and start uh, perhaps re-evaluating uh, what we know of God, what we understand of God, and what He's clearly revealed to us through His Scriptures. So what does the Bible say uh, about um, how it all started? And we started there with that great promise given to Abraham, and we finished there with that, uh, that wonderful vision given to the Apostle John. Um, how has God revealed that picture of heaven uh, to us, to His people throughout the trajectory, the big picture of his word in the Bible. What does the Bible say about it? Well, just some examples, and these are certainly not uh, exhaustive. Um, the first one, of course, is to do with God's promise made to Abraham. Uh, we know he created the world, uh, we cr he created all people, uh, all people, no matter what ethnicity uh, you're from or what nation you're from, what culture you've experienced or live in, uh, we are all image bearers of the same God. He created us male and female, and uh, in his wisdom, uh, he sought that, they, that we, as, uh, as men and women, would equally reflect the image of himself. That's what distinguishes us, separates us from all the other creatures and, and all of the rest of creation that he made. We are the only uh, beings that reflect his image. And soon after that, as we know, uh, that image was broken. Part of God's love and compassion was to create uh, a, a, a humanity in his image uh, such that they would have free will to choose to love and worship him. And we exercised that free will, our, uh, our um, ancestors, our, the original uh, Adam and Eve, um, exercised that free will and they chose to go their own way and to do life without God, to sort of say, thank you, God, that's great, uh, but we're going to make our own decisions and exercise our own freedom. And, of course, the dysfunction and brokenness, uh, what we call sin, uh, came into the world, uh, a rebellion against God. And, uh, and we were lost. All people, as we know, uh, um, are separated and cut off from God. We, we, we bear his image, but it's a marred image. And we fall far short. And of course, God, um, in some ways, uh, brings about a, a form of justice, a form of judgment in that, um, through the story of Noah and so on. And then at some point, uh, there in Genesis chapter 12, out of the blue, God speaks to a man called Abram, from another nation, from another land, a land of, the land of Ur. 
And, and, he, and he calls this man Abram and uh, he calls him and he makes a promise to him and he gives him a new name, Abraham, and he says, uh, to you, Abraham, I'm going to create a great nation, a great multitude, a, a mighty nation, a, a people too many to count, as numerous as the sands on the sea and the stars in the sky. And, uh, and these, these people are going to bless the world. Through these people, the world will be blessed. All the other nations will be, will be blessed um, through this nation. That's God's promise to Abraham. Um, well, a little bit as, God's, as, that, as that happened and, and that promise was fulfilled and the nation grew and uh, the people uh, learned more about God and he revealed his law to them and, uh, and uh, there was a whole lot of, you know, as we've said before, we know how the law works. The law is God's standard. This is who I am. This is how you need to live if you're going to be my people and accurately reflect my image in the world. And time and time again, uh, humanity couldn't do it failed to live up to God's law. And so often God would send prophets to the nation of Israel, to this people that he'd promised to build through Abraham. And so, uh, and so just to take one example, in Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, verses 4 to 7, you may be familiar um, with that, uh, those, those verses. A little bit further on from those verses is a great promise that we lay claim to quite often. For I know the plans I have for you. Is that with me? Plans to prosper you that's right plans to plans to um thank you you're helping me now that's great it's it's in jeremiah chapter 29 um but just before that that famous promise um the prophet jeremiah speaks uh to god's people israel and uh and he says this let's look it up together jeremiah chapter 29 verses 4 7 it's a great promise. It's, it's this people now punished by God because of, of their failure to keep his law and they're in exile living in a foreign land in Babylon and God raises up a prophet to explain to them how it is he still wants them to live. He still loves them. He's still their God and he's gracious and merciful and he gives them this very, very basic uh, um, life plan for how they, they're to live while they're living in a foreign land, a land where they're not supposed to be, in exile, uh, in, in, in a form of slavery. And he says, make peace with the city. Build your homes there. Marry. Choose wives from amongst yourselves and, and, and marry and grow and multiply. Continue to grow. Continue to be my people. And live at peace in so much as it depends on you is what is referenced in the New Testament later on. Live at peace with those around you. Bless this city. Bless this nation that you live amongst. This foreign nation where you're not supposed to be living. Bless them. That's what the, prophet, the prophecy of Jeremiah says. And uh, it's a, gr a great encouragement uh, and a revelation again of God's purpose for how we are to live, of his plan and his heart for other nations, even his, nations that are, are, are his enemies and opposed to him. God's people will bring blessing to those nations. Well, then, of course, uh, we move uh, to the great prophet and the final prophet, the greatest prophet of all time, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And, of course, his ministry uh, was one that, practically in many ways demonstrated God's heart for other cultures to, to, to cross those cultural boundaries that are there, those social boundaries that, that we tend to put up and sometimes we're blind to them and we're not aware of them but they're there and Jesus could see straight through them because he's God and demonstrated what it looks like, what God's heart looks like for other people and of course in John chapter 4 we get the example there of the Samaritan woman. We've looked at this at length as a church uh, last year or earlier this year it might have been. The Samaritan woman, uh, part of a, uh, a, 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 a 
culture, a community, uh, not Israel, uh, sort of enemies of Israel in some ways, although very much a part of them. They shouldn't have been enemies of Israel, but they were. That's how Israel saw them, and that's how they saw Israel. And this Samaritan woman, Jesus crosses this cultural boundary. Uh, first of all, she's Samaritan. Secondly, she's a woman. There was also a, a gender boundary there about men speaking to women uh, alone. And he crosses both of those to, uh, to, to bear witness to her as to God's love and compassion. And it's a wonderful example. Have a refresh yourselves during the week. John chapter 4. Have a read through there of how Jesus and his ministry crosses those boundaries, those cultural boundaries and social boundaries to bring uh, the good news of Jesus to someone who was searching, to someone who was looking, but looking in all the wrong places. And then, of course, uh, what we uh, were introduced to last Sunday when... Um, when Mark and Nock came and shared with us. And Mark preached from Acts chapter 2. And uh, that was, of course, often seen as the birthday of the church. It's when this, this plan continued to, to sort of take um, almost its com completion uh, since the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, Jesus leaves, he ascends back to uh, the he Heavenly Father and he promises to send an advocate. He promises to send his spirit, the Holy Spirit, that God would come and live amongst his people and we wouldn't need his laws anymore because those laws will be written in our hearts when our hearts are filled with the Holy Spirit and so the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and you'll remember that phrase we had it read last Sunday um, it, it, it's an event that took place as a group of disciples are, are worshipping and suddenly the Spirit the Holy Spirit turns up and and he descends upon them and they start praising and worshipping God very powerfully. And, and we read that, meanwhile, uh, some Jews from every nation uh, living in Jerusalem. So this is like this kind of multicultural uh, city, like many cities were and, and still are. Um, many Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem joined a great crowd who heard this commotion. It was a loud noise. They heard this commotion and they came to see what it was all about. In Acts chapter 2 it says, When they heard the loud noise... Everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Quote, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, they marveled. You know, there's a lot of complete confusion and, and bewilderment with, with what took place at, at Pentecost in, in the Christian church and sometimes in our teachings, and I have no idea why. It's just so glaringly obvious uh, what was taking place here. This is the fulfillment of a prophecy given to Joel way back in the Old Testament. This is a fulfillment, it's a reversal of the Tower of Babel. Remember that story? Where all the nations gathered to try and connect and reach with God, reach God, and God said, you're not God, <laughs> I'm God. You can't do this on your own. And he thwarted their plans, what did he do? He gave them different languages, right? So they couldn't communicate, so they couldn't understand, they, their plans were thought of, they couldn't build the building. What's he doing now in Pentecost? It's the great reversal, it's often referred to. He's giving, he, he, it's the one language, the language of the Holy Spirit that these people are, are, are proclaiming and others are hearing God's word, God's truth through those languages, through their own language, their heart language, what they can understand. How many of you here support missionaries and they'll tell you stories in cross-cultural settings of their goal? They'll often say it, no matter what organisation they're with, we are, we are here to bring the gospel of Jesus to people in a way that they can hear it in their heart language. That's what it's about. It's not, not getting them to subscribe to, you know, like, like dumb things the church used to do a while ago. In the King James Version, we had to have this specific English version uh, that you try and teach other cultures to memorise. You know, that, 
and that would somehow save them. Well-meaning, but missing the point. Uh, it's always been about God speaking to people in their heart language. And this was a powerful, miraculous demonstration of what was taking place. God's now giving uh, his, um, his spirit to all people. And people will hear uh, the praises and the wonders of God in their own heart language. Well, as the church grew and it scattered from that point, which is a great way to grow and fulfill God's plan throughout the world, soon after, as the churches formed, the apostles continued to write letters to the churches and to, to follow on from, from God's plan and, and, and to continue growing the churches. And they often spoke of this new identity for people now, from all cultures, doesn't matter who you are, Jew, Gentile, that's pretty well everyone, um, it doesn't matter who you are, you have a new identity in Christ. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 to 29, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, just like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. We've gone full circle. Do you see that? That first promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12, where God revealed his plan to make a great nation through which he would bless all the nations. All the families on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. And here it is, as he brings salvation to all nations through Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is the perfect Israel. Jesus Christ, God's son, fully God and fully human. He's the perfect Israel. He did what Israel couldn't do. He does what you and I as Gentiles, um, safely presuming most of us here are Gentiles, um, what we cannot possibly do for ourselves. And that's why we, all people, Jew and Gentile alike, put their faith in Jesus Christ, Israel's Messiah and the world's true Lord. Well, church, this week um, in our life groups, uh, as uh, Graham shared and reminded us, we're going to be returning to, uh, to this series and we're up to episode five for those life groups that are looking through it episode five and there's a bit of a challenge in this uh, because it explores the impact of multiculturalism and particularly of immigration in Australia and the impact of, of living in Australia and what that has on uh, migrant families and uh, there'll be a number of stories that you'll be able to, to hear and testimonies of how people have come to this this country of ours this wonderful nation and how they've met God and how God has spoken to them and and uh, revealed himself to them and how they've ended up in, in a local church or formed their own local church and just how uh, how that impact of, um, of migration has um, impacted us as a culture and as local churches and, and sometimes the reality is these stories that you'll hear this week um, and these realities, these experiences of people who, who have come uh, to live here uh, in, our, in our country can paint a rather bleak picture. Not always has Anglo-Australia been warm and welcoming to people from other nations. And we are very aware, well aware of that. Um, you'd have to be living under a rock not to be. And, and surely, where's the church? This is the challenge this morning. Surely, where's the church, God's own people called and drawn together from every tribe, language, culture and nationality, ought to be a community who by default welcomes any and everyone, warmly, 
with open arms into our faith communities that God calls us to. I want to say at this point, um, Tari Baptist has had a, a, a wonderful, there are some wonderful accounts and stories and we've lived through those even in our time here of this church doing that in a beautiful way. And uh, it's costly, right? Those I know who have invested a lot of their time into it. It's costly, relationally, financially, um, time-wide time resources, all those things. But it's a beautiful expression and we have always been blessed as a church here. We've always been blessed by those who are from uh, other nations, other communities, other cultures. If we take the time to listen, if we take the time to cross those boundaries that are so often there and to understand and get alongside people. Um, one reminder from last week was that wonderful uh, um, uh, testimony we heard from Knock. Uh, you may remember I've had lots of comments this week and even after the service last Sunday. Wasn't that, didn't that just warm your heart hearing her story? Uh, as her family fled after the war in Vietnam and uh, became refugees and eventually after a, a, a couple of years and some pretty, I'd imagine some pretty harrowing experiences, they, uh, they were welcomed in uh, to um, Houston, Texas and they settled there and she grew up there and uh, continued to, you know, to, to face those challenges of living um, as a Vietnamese family with that culture, honouring her mother and father and, and their, their religion and also growing up as a, an American, right? In American culture and, and it was just great to hear her so honestly um, share that uh, with us. Perhaps many of us would have found it a little bit difficult hearing Knox's story. Maybe we couldn't identify with it. Think, oh, yeah, don't understand that. There may have been some who could maybe identify in part with having to make similar sort of cultural shifts, you know, moving away from all that is familiar to you and having to embrace something very different, a different unfamiliar culture and community. But we're going to hear many examples in this week's episode uh, of people who have come to Australia seeking a fresh start, seeking a new community in which to make their home. And there's a question for us to ask. What, what is our personal experience and connection to immigration? What's your personal experience to, um, uh, and, and connection to immigration? Maybe you're a descendant of a migrant yourself. Maybe not your parents, maybe not even your grandparents, maybe your great grandparents. In fact, let me just say this right now, unless you are an indigenous person, every single one of us are immigrants in this country. Every single one of us, no matter who you are. I don't care if you're fifth generation or you can't, you know, I've, you know how you know you're, you're, um, you're, you're more than fifth generation? It's because you, 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 lose, you lose track of your, you, like I've, I've got no idea of, I know we've come from convicts because I can't trace it. You get what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so... But, but, but so what? My heritage, that lineage, is still a one of immigration, a migrant, having to leave everything familiar and come to a completely foreign place. Just reflect on that this week as we explore it. Well, uh, what, do, what do we do as a local church? Um, some of us will have families um, who have experience with working out what it looks like to live in, in those sort of communities, getting used to um, holding on to uh, to things that are, that are familiar, holding on to your, your, your culture, your history, your story, uh, living uh, in, in a diverse way amongst a, a culture that you're not, never going to quite ever become like them and, and, and juggling that tension. I want to say this morning from God's word that that is not new to God and it's not new to the church. Think about it. Think about 
even uh, our church here in Tari. Each of us who trust in Jesus and believe in him, we too have been given a new identity. So even if you can say, oh, I've been here in the Manning Valley since, you know, that first, um, be a Scotsman, wouldn't it? Would have been a Scot probably in the Manning Valley, huge Scottish heritage. You know, I've been part of that from here. Uh, Every single one of us have, despite that, been given a new identity in Christ Jesus. doesn't matter what your heritage is. And we come together as part of his people, uh, newly clothed in Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And we're one. And we're one and the same people. And we belong to Jesus and we gather in this space in that unity. But there is also many differences amongst us. And that's a good thing. There's diversity. It may not be as obvious in our church here, uh, given our, our uh, makeup, uh, in churches like Hornsby and others in other parts of, of Sydney and other built-up areas, uh, or big regional cities at least, it may be more obvious. But those differences are still there, and they're things that we can celebrate. They're things that we can learn from. They're things that we can appreciate uh, amongst us. You, you know what I'm talking about? Those unique giftings. Um, those perhaps different cultural heritages or in some cases uh, maybe even different languages. These are part of the diversity um, that exists amongst us as God's people and it's really important for us uh, to recognise this and to celebrate both our unity in Jesus Christ as well uh, as our diversity in many of those differences. You know, this isn't new to the local church. Um, The Apostle Paul writes about it often in, in his letters and one in particular, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul is writing about this beautiful, rich diversity amongst them and he gives them this metaphor to help them understand how it works, their unity in Jesus and their diversity uh, as a people. And it's this tension. There's a vibrant, passionate church here in in Corinth, new believers. You've got uh, faithful Jews who have come to understand Jesus as their Messiah with all their laws and traditions and, and, and religion. And then you've got Gentiles coming to faith in Jesus, recognizing him as their Lord and their Savior. And together they've got to try and figure out how they're going to live together as these people. And, and, and some are expressing themselves, some of these Gentiles, these pagans, they're expressing themselves loudly and proudly. There were people who had come to faith, some through one apostle's teaching, some through another apostle's teaching, and they started to have factions, you know, I'm with this guy, I'm with that guy, while some said, I'm with Jesus, you know, boom, sort of thing. Um, I belong to Jesus, you know, and, and these factions were starting to, to brew. And so Paul writes to this church and he pleads with them for unity. Yes, you're diverse, but you can have unity in, Je- you have unity in Jesus Christ and you can embrace and appreciate your diversity without tearing each other apart. One tension concerned um, how a person could use their spiritual gifts within the community. And Paul reminds them about there being different gifts. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7. There's different gifts among you, but there's the one spirit who's the source of all those gifts. There are different kinds of service. You know, people serve in different areas to different capacities and skills, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And he reminds the church of what unifies them. There's one, one God, one creator, one origin from which we all come, which from which we've all derived, and he's the true own God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he unifies us. And there's a diversity in the gifts that he chooses to give and in the purpose that we achieve and live for him. And this, this body metaphor that Paul gives is a good one, a good one for us to be reminded of. It illustrates this melting pot, doesn't it? This melting pot of Christian community 
where there are diverse members, each who are as different as body parts in the body, but all who can work together in unity and harmony and in good health. So that's how it was for the church in Corinth. And what about us here? What can that look like for us here? I've asked someone spontaneously to jump up, I think, to here this morning. Yes, David Coleman, you, David here? Oh, g'day, David. Do you want to just come up and just briefly share with us? Um, this, some of you will be familiar with this. We have one of our life groups meets monthly. Yeah, monthly. Sometimes, sometimes you skip a month. But um, David's our, For those who don't know, David's our principal of, of the school across um, the car park here. Um, David's wife, Mari, is from Japan. You lived in Japan for a year and, you, and the Lord led you to, to Mari. Yeah. Do you want to just come and tell us a little bit about um, one of th- this life group that you guys meet yeah. together? Um, God led Mari to me, by the way. That's how it was. <laughs> uh, so we've got a, we call it like a multicultural group here at church, Runway and Rachel um, started that. And it's not just people from our church, people from different churches come as well. So we've got um, people from India, Japan come. We've had people over time from Malaysia and, and Africa. And so we met at someone's house each month and we always start with food. Everyone brings food to share. Um, you know, noodles, curries, rice, and the list goes on and on and on, stir fries and so on. Then we have a time of sharing. And usually that looks like someone will talk about like growing up Christian in, in a Hindu nation or maybe... Um, issues with sharing the gospel in, in a different country and, and different ways you might you might do that. So that's a nice time of sharing, I guess, and acknowledging people's faiths. Um, at the school, we're becoming a bit more multicultural, particularly the last uh, two years. We've had a number of Chinese and Indian families, but we've also recently welcomed um, some different background families like uh, Vietnamese. We've got some Iranian students at the school, uh, I was talking to a, a dad from Zimbabwe just the other day. He speaks four African languages and, and English. And there's, there's a few, few kids with, with African connections now. So different families are coming all, all the time. And often they're coming uh, like to work in the health industry. Maybe the visa makes them to come and work in a regional area, for example. But um, certainly a change. Korean families as well we're getting. Yeah. Mm, so you, you've noticed that change recently yeah so i've been here for 10 years and when i first came there were i reckon less than five five kids from different cultural backgrounds but it's it's the percentage is increasing um every year for sure and even if you go down to coles in town like the indian section's getting quite big now they've got lots of different ingredients there that's obviously a reflection of a, of a need in the town you know yeah, yeah. thanks yeah. David. that's okay yeah, thanks isn't that encouraging? Um, yeah, both uh, what the church is doing here in a small way, but also uh, at the same time reflecting how some of the changes in our own community, particularly um, over the last few years. Well, how can we have God's heart for diversity and equally pursue unity at the same time? Let's just finish with these three quick points. The first thing is we emphasise our unity in Christ. Nothing to apologise for. We preach and teach Jesus we sing praises to him we preach the same message for all people everywhere to repent turn away from living life in your own strength fulfilling your own needs and desires and ask god for forgiveness and he forgives you and in jesus christ you become a new person a new creation that's the message for everyone it doesn't matter who you are and we are all together in god's family through jesus christ so we emphasize that 
Uh, the, the other thing we can do is we can celebrate the diversity in culture amongst us. Uh, often, you know, when we come across something new and different, it can threaten us. You hear it in the way people try and rationalise why they don't need to connect with other people or rationalise why they, they don't need to cross boundaries and put too much effort into to listening to other people. I, I will say this, and I understand some of us have difficulty hearing. Occasionally I hear people will say, when we have a guest speaker or someone come uh, who's talking from another culture, another nationality, and I'll hear people say, oh, I didn't hear a word of that. And I've got to say, you know what, I, I actually think you didn't hear or you didn't want to hear. Because we can all hear, we can all learn to hear. They're speaking English, right? And sometimes it's just very subtle how it's kind of, I didn't understand. And, and I also get, after living in Sydney and working in that environment down there, I find it very easy to pick up English, even my English. You know, I understand my own English. So I can pick it up despite how well it's spoken or the accent. It takes practice. But let me encourage you. We need to celebrate those differences. And, and part of that is to be, to be humble and you say, I'm sorry, I, I, I really struggle to understand it. Can you, can you say that again or can you speak a little slower and own it? It's my problem. It's not yours. The person is trying to communicate to us in their second language, right? Sometimes it can, if you've got the time, it can be really a beautiful thing to, to sit with someone and, and say, oh, what's the word for this? You know, you tell me what that word is in your culture. Or have a meal together. That's a great way to, to celebrate the differences and so on. And, and listen to stories. Listen to how a person feels, what they're experiencing, what their perspective is on something. Just listen. You don't have to correct or try and pass judgment on it. That's what it means to celebrate, to be a community of God's people that celebrate the diversity amongst us. And last of all, Remember that when we do this, we're actually fulfilling the very heart's desire of God for his mission in this world. God's mission is for everyone. God's gospel is for all people. It's like that since the very beginning. His first promise to Abraham there in Genesis, and it's the ultimate goal of where all things are headed. And we're going to be part of that beautiful crowd where none of us will experience tears anymore and sadness and grief because it will be no, and death will be no more and pain and suffering will be no more because we'll only be in the light of Jesus and we will continue to worship him, the one that unifies us and to celebrate and do that with diversity as the many gifts and cultures that he's created us. To. Let's pray and give thanks to God for who we can be as his people. Father, we thank you for what we've heard this morning. Thank you for what we will hear this week as we look at episode five in this series. And we ask, Father, that you would help our hearts to never lose sight of the many people who don't yet know of your love for them. The many people who are searching in all the wrong places, pursuing all the false gospels that we hear preached and proclaimed in all forms of media today. People who know no different because of their, their cultural upbringing and their religious connections and their religious practices within that. But Father, we're reminded this morning that we're all created in your image and we are all lost and separated from you outside of Christ. And so we thank you, Father, for revealing him to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in us in a simple response to faith and trust in Jesus. Thank you for the way that you empower us to know God's heart and to be known by him. We ask that you'd help us to do that and extend that same love, mercy and compassion that we've received from him to others that we're called to live among. We ask this not for our sakes, not even for our church's sake, but we ask this for your kingdom and for your body of Christ, uh, no matter where we meet and gather in Jesus. Pray this. Amen.